Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. But until that lovely day comes, folks, welcome to the show. Uh, I am your host, Josh. Is this If this is your first time stopping by, I just want to say thank you very much. I hope you uh, enjoy your time. Uh, And if this is you coming back, I would like to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. That means a lot. Uh, I do this show because I think it's important. I think it's important for agitation, propaganda, and education purposes. And I hope to be able to reach as many folks uh, as I can with what it is that we're trying to argue, or, uh, well, yeah, what it is we're trying to argue and what it is we're trying to organize for. So, first and foremost, I'm going to do a lot of coughing and hard swallowing. (laughs) I have a sore throat, um, so sorry about that. Um, But if you can bear that, I want to talk about Uh, the need in the United States for a unification of the struggles of the oppressed people. So you could probably spin around about 10 times and point in a general direction in any large uh, city in the United States and find a person who's suffering some form of oppression here in the United States whether that be economic, social, political, etc. These are all issues that many, many folks have to deal with. Um, The contradictions between the haves and the have-nots, we we could call them, uh, the inequality between rich and poor, the level of inequality, the wealth gap, is larger now than it has ever been in the entire history of human development. Uh, That's kind of monumental, in case you didn't recognize. And then you have people all over the world, but even people here in the United States, for example, in the Navajo Nation, um, up in Minnesota, in the Anishinaabe Territory, you have folks who are suffering economic, social political and environmental oppression watching their waters be contaminated with oil from pipelines like line three which joe biden and the army corps of engineers could and should at any point in time revoke their patent to continue the uh, construction of that pipeline but they refuse to do so and this is because under all cases whether democrat or republican the ruling class is unified. They are solidified in their struggle for uh, immense wealth accumulation, uh, profits, and continued rule over the uh, oppressed masses. That is why, whether it's Obama, Biden, Trump, Bush, doesn't matter. They all are the same in what interests they have and where those interests lie and whose those whose interests their own interests override um we have seen this for decades um you know maybe a few of us haven't but there's enough history there that you can go learn about there's enough to read enough to watch on youtube to be able to recognize that this is nothing new Um, There's also all kinds of um, record-shattering, not record-breaking, but clarified by the scientific community as record-shattering increases in heat. Uh, A few weeks back, there was that 120-degree heat wave that went through the northwest um, in Oregon, and in Washington uh, and in California that um, some of my friends were having to deal with. Uh, The heat got so bad 
they were saying there were certain pockets where your body would not be able to perspirate because it was so goddamn hot. Which, if anybody knows what that means, it means that your body can't regulate its temperature. It can't release heat because that's what sweating is a form of, is releasing heat, trying to regulate temperature. They, your body can't do that, and so you overheat and you can die. No matter how much water you drink, no matter what, you can die because your body will not be able to release any of its heat. So with all of this, it's very clear that the system is rotten. Um, the system is rotten to its core, not because it's corrupt, not because it is led by individuals who are selfish, not because human nature is greed, not because anything other than the fact that there is a class society that we live in. Meaning, there is a group of people who are in dominant control of the society as a whole. Now you're talking the ruling class or what we might call even the owning class. They don't just control um, you know, certain houses of government. They don't just control the White House and the Pentagon. They don't just control Wall Street and the economy and the deficit and uh, incredible loaning uh, and tax write-offs to the ultra-rich and contracts with weapon manufacturing and uh, military contracting companies that we don't have the money to pay, but we still make contracts with them. <clears throat> All of that combined, that's the ruling class. They also control the laws. Uh, they also control the dominant ideology because, as we know, social being determines social consciousness. Meaning... When you are a member of the ruling class, you get to dictate where and how the ideology takes form. When you are a member of the ruled class, as Paulo Freire points out in his book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed, uh, you are an object, whereas your teacher or the ruling class is the subject meaning you are an empty blank space and your teacher posits uh, knowledge into your brain that you are to outwardly accept based on no critical thinking whatsoever. Uh, they teach you to obey. They teach you to sit quietly. <clears throat> and they teach you that America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. They teach you that racism died with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. They teach us that uh, the Democrats are the good guys, the Republicans are the bad guys. Uh, they teach us that we're, we've been at war for 226 of our 245 years of existence as a country. We have over 800 bases with millions of soldiers stationed all over the world in what are called uh, defensive strategic zones, but what are definitely just forts like were built here in the United States during colonization that are meant to control a region so that if shit hits the fan or if, I don't know, leftist governments try to take power, you have a sizable military there that can take full-scale uh, operations on. Um, and that's why they're so fucking equipped to the teeth everywhere is because each and every station like that, they want to be able to take on the full military force of the country that they are in. <clears throat> so all of this, again, falls under one class, the ruling class. They all control the military. We join the military hoping that they'll give us college. Um, and so then you have the ruled class who again, is convinced of these things because it has no ability to 
critically think about them out, you know, your natural environment for at least a decent portion of the U.S. citizenry does not contradict enough with the reality that is painted for us by our politicians, by our uh, capitalists, by our military powers. Um, and so, for whatever reason, if it, if it doesn't contradict enough, you have people who go on believing these things. And so, that ability to manipulate the mindset of individuals without needing to lay a finger on them is uh, a hegemonic power that the United States has enjoyed for a very long time. But now, I would say in the last decade, it has become increasingly more uh, impossible to ignore that the reality which we are told exists the reality that tells us we are the freest people in the world, that capitalism is natural and the proper conclusion, um, that we are in the end of history, nothing should change, nothing will change, and therefore we shouldn't do anything to try to change anything. Um, the mentality that the United States needs to maintain its military occupation of the world um, and continue using a majority of taxpayers' dollars in order to fund such adventures. Um, we need to recognize then that some work needs to be done um, because there are many struggles taking place here in the United States, <clears throat> many of which need to be need to have their flames fanned need to be shown solidarity, not just in words, but also in actions. Uh, they need to be discussed with. They need to be given proper space to say what it is that their intentions are. Uh, they need to be unified also in a common goal. Because by doing so, we are able to actually... Uh, centralize our force and accumulate power in a way that is not just going to be a disorganized mess trying to go after one of the world's most organized and uh, militarized, not only military force, but also National Guard, also uh, armed militias, aka police departments, and then other armed militias, like the Proud Boys, the KKK, etc. If we are going to take on that huge power structure, we have to do it in a way that is unified on a class line. Now, this is not always an appreciated discussion. Um, some folks feel that by reducing the struggles in the United States to a class struggle is ignoring the struggles uh, against racism, the struggles against sexism, the struggles against uh, transphobia, LGBTQ plus oppression, um, all of these struggles, the struggles uh, by the indigenous people against the settler colonial power that is the United States, um, all of these struggles uh, are felt to be ignored when uh, attempted to be united on a class line. The issue with this critique is that it, first and foremost, is just plainly false. And I'm not saying that because I just think I'm right. But if if you think that the unification of struggles for an end to racism, sexism, transphobia, and other forms of oppression here in the United States is ignoring those individual struggles, then 
I hate to tell you, but you don't know what class is. Because again, in class society, although split into multiple different parts, if we want to do a full class analysis, there are two classes in every class society. Again, the people with power and the people who have to suffer under those with the power. This is done through a few different ways. Today, it is done through the use of the state. Now, Lenin defines the state as the class power that is used, or excuse me, the uh, political power that is used by one class to oppress another. Paraphrasing. Um, Marx and Engels discuss the development of the state in uh, human history as a centralization of power in a given place for the sake of, again, kind of concretizing the power of the ruling class and unifying them among the class line. Now, the state is more than just the White House, the House of Representatives, Senate, Congress, the state is the police department, it's the army, it's the navy, it's the marines, it's the air force, it's the national guard, it's the education system, it is everything, it is the economy, it is race relations, it is capital, the The state is a tool, right? It is not set to any form, but its essence stays the same. The use of the state wielded by a given class is used to suppress the other. Again, in a ruling class society, there are the haves and the have-nots, the owning class and the working class. Here in the United States, we need to recognize that the black liberation struggle, LGBTQ plus uh, liberation struggle, the liberation struggle for decolonization and land back and sovereignty uh, for indigenous peoples of this uh, continent, all of these things are related to class. Because all of these levels of inequality are necessary to developing a class society which can again centralize its power. You would not have racism if not for the necessity to clarify which individuals you are willing to share power with and which individuals you are not. Um, Over time... Racism developed through colonization for the sake of uh, power relations, uh, the use of descriptors such as savage or devil-like to describe black, brown, Asian, and indigenous peoples across the world. That is intentional. It is a way to influence the dominant paradigm to create the ideology of white supremacy. White supremacy was not some random idea that someone had that they were like, hey, I think white people are better than black people, so I'm going to tell everyone that just because I think so. Racism developed as a necessity for the colonizers to be able to accept the awful atrocities they were committing. And it developed into a system which now still exists in our societies, which which was used to, to separate those, again, who the ruling class was willing to share their power with and who they felt they needed to oppress. This developed in the United States through the slave system because, again, 
capitalism is a system based on profits, based on constant growth. So the use of slaves combined with the mentality and the ideology that black folks were inferior beings, uh, oftentimes not even considered human, uh, as well as indigenous peoples, uh, you had a development of a slave system which fueled the entire economy of the United States through uh, some of the cheapest produced cotton in the world, among other things that they used slave labor for, which propped up both the North and the South's economy. But eventually, oppressed people do not allow you to oppress them forever. So you saw the struggle of black people taking up arms, joining uh, in the Civil War, rebelling and killing their slave owners. Um, The shit that Nat Turner did, his revolt where he killed his own master and then he took up arms and went and freed more uh, black folks from their oppression and was on a mission to continue doing that all across uh, the country. This is an example of how black folks took their own liberation into their hands and demanded no reforms, demanded no uh, capitulation to the power structure. They demanded an end to their oppression and they said, if you're not going to do it for us, we'll do it for ourselves. And eventually the white folks started to get scared about that. So they said, you know what? How about this? How about we'll write on a cool little piece of paper that you guys are actually kind of, sort of human beings? How about that? And, you know, in a lot of ways, because of the, again, still dominant paradigm and the ruling class power, there was not a broad unification of the white working class, uh, the women, the immigrants, and the indigenous folks who could combine with black folks and stage a revolution to overthrow the ruling class. But as uh, Marx Madness points out in their reading of Black Reconstruction in America by W.E.B. Du Bois, um, they make clear that the liberation struggle that took place through what we call uh, the Civil War and Reconstruction, as well as uh, times leading up to that, is as close as the United States has truly gotten to a violent revolutionary moment. Um, But again, because of the lack of unification, there was a uh, lack of political power, uh, military strength, and ideological struggle that was able to combat the ruling class in a full uh, sweep of the legs, which is really unfortunate, but it's history to learn from. And that's why today we need to recognize that other examples like the uh, Latino and Chicano struggles um, that have been incredibly powerful throughout the United States, um, as well as things like the Asian American struggles, um, the Uh, Pacific Island struggles, the struggles in Hawaii, and uh, what it is where all these groups of people who are told by the United States that, listen, I know we came in here and stole your land, and I know that we've been oppressing and murdering you for like hundreds of years, and I know that we have made a system called capitalism that is based on the abuse of your own labor and the stealing of your surplus value and the selling of the products you create for inflated prices for our own wealth accumulation and the destruction of your environment through resource extraction, pipeline building, and water uh, uh, pollution as well as air pollution. Um, But what if we made you citizens of a country that has massacred your people that you don't want to be a part of and we just called it a deal? That, by these groups of people 
has never truly been enough. But as Kwame Ture points out uh, in one of his speeches on YouTube, he says, we have unity of thought. Many oppressed people recognize that they are oppressed. They recognize that they are suffering. They recognize that it's unfair, that everything is unequal. And they recognize that there is a group of people who is in power. But the unity of thought, or excuse me, we have unity of action. We have that broad understanding, which that that much is very true. We have that broad understanding, uh, most of us that are like, I think that it's ridiculous that I have to work all the time and still can't afford to pay my bills. These things are starting to become more and more prevalent as the contradictions between rich and poor, even in the imperial core countries, becomes intensified. Um, and this this broad understanding is, is there. But I, I screwed up. What Kwame Ture actually says is, we have unity of action, but we do not have unity of thought. Meaning that when there is something that happens, like the police killing of another black or brown uh, person, um, or, you know, a lynch mob, that are still incredibly prevalent prevalent in the United States. When things like this happen, a lot of us go to protests, a lot of us donate to mutual aid, a lot of us post on our social media, as we saw throughout the Black Lives Matter movement. But as Kwame Ture says, just as quick as we stand up, we sit down. Um, so because of that, we are not able to build a revolutionary organization that is able to wage class struggle, build a political line that is unified in its attempt to end all oppression, not just the oppression of some. Uh, This is done because, or this needs to be done Because then we can avoid this inability to remain unified, this inability to remain militant and disciplined in struggling against the ruling class is broken up by our lack of organization. We are not unified in thought. We have to be organized and militant, not just against something such as capitalism, such as racism, sexism, transphobia, etc., But we have to be unified in what is to come, what we need to be unified for, which need be scientific socialism. Um, If it is not, it is a clear misrepresentation of what it is that we need, not only here in the United States, but across the world. So I would like to say to anyone who is listening that as important as every single individual struggle is, and we cannot ignore a single suffering person in the world, especially not here in the United States. If we do this in an individualized, uh, atomized way, we will not be able to take power. We will not be able to eliminate the structure which exists to continue oppressing the people. There is, as many of us know and understand, a entire system that is based off of the oppression and exploitation of the working class. If we are not to make this keenly uh, clear in the minds of all oppressed people in the United States, then we will fail in our attempts to change that. Because simply put, the amount of political economic and military power that lays in the ruling class's hands cannot be eliminated by individual attempts at uh, violence, individual attempts at things like, uh, you know, the amount of people who are saying if we just tax the billionaires, it'll be fine. No, that's social democracy. It won't work because who's going to make them? They are in control of the government who would write the legislation. They are in control of the economy who they would just fire everyone in. They are in control of the market prices which they would inflate. They are in control of the uh, ability to produce things so they would stop producing things which in the United States we don't produce medicine. We don't produce um, much foodstuffs. We don't produce uh, our own 
oil to any extent that is uh, safe and economic or ecologically uh, safe and also led by and decided by a planned economy which is instructed by the working people themselves not some ruling class power which tells them what it is and isn't going to do Um, all of this is incredibly organized in the hands of the ruling class and so just like in uh, physics uh, every reaction has an equal or greater reaction and therefore if we want to build something that can actually change the reality that we live in we have to build something that is equal to or greater than the power uh, and organization that the ruling class has. This is just something that we have to begin to understand at a much more deeper level than I feel most of us are capable of right now. Um, And that's why, you know, I record this show because this is very important, my friends. I'm currently reading a book called 10 Days That Shook the Earth. And I just listened to, finally, an amazing episode by Proles of the Roundtable and Mark's Madness about Harry Haywood's book, Black Bolshevik. Both of these are incredible sources of first-person experience that you can learn about how things during and after the initial October Revolution, um, how uh, the Soviet Union was formed, how it struggled, how it built itself up, how it unified the people, and how it overthrew capitalism and the ruling class powers of the bourgeoisie. Uh, And in these books, there's all these different workers' unions, organizations, Soviets, of course, um, which just means council, uh, if you didn't know. Uh, So there's worker and peasant councils. um, The slogan of the Internationale was workers and peasants unite, but now I believe it is workers, peasants, and oppressed people unite and that is precisely what we need to do here in the united states we have to recognize that although the importance of the individual struggles themselves is incredible and cannot be ignored nor can the suffering of a single person be cast aside as unimportant to the class struggle because every oppressed person every worker every peasant struggle is connected to their class uh, position They are not the ruling class, so then everything else from that point is kind of about how the ruling class can exploit and oppress them. Uh, So unless you're a part of the ruling class, you have to recognize that your struggles stem also from your place on the, uh, in the question of class. Um, So here in the United States, we have to build a unified class struggle, and we are not. The communists in the United States are nowhere to be found. The socialists in the United States want to just tax the rich or build cooperatives like Richard Wolff or build up unions again, which we know failed and was completely destroyed by the United States ruling class powers. One place that we can recognize the need for a unified class struggle uh, I believe a uh, clear example would be what we're experiencing with the COVID pandemic. I think here you see the difference between the ruling class and the working class. Think of when Donald Trump got COVID and he was flown off to one of the most expensive and medically advanced hospitals in the country. He was given experimental drugs. He was given round-the-clock treatment. Again, he was flown there and flown back <clears throat> while <coughs> excuse me, while millions of Americans uh, suffered without a job um, and oh, well, Josh, they got six hundred dollars extra a week, so actually i'm I'm oppressed, oh yeah. Because that that makes a whole lot of sense. Because the ruling class wouldn't think that it would be intelligent to try to divide also uh, economically the working class during one of the most hard-hitting recessions in decades. Um, 
that that definitely wouldn't be an intelligent thing to allow to happen. Not saying they did it on purpose, although they could have. Simply saying it works to their benefit. Because you hear the shit that working class people say about those on unemployment benefits, about those who get welfare, on those who get uh, uh, things like EBT or WIC. Um, The way that we speak about one another is so dehumanizing and disgusting. But, you know, you see with the distinction between, uh, for example, folks in the global north, how available vaccines are to them, how capable they are of going to a doctor in comparison to someone in, say, Zambia or uh, in the uh, shack dwelling communities that are being organized by the shack dwellers movement in South Africa. Um, Folks in Brazil uh, are being helped by the Brazilian Communist Party as well as the landless uh, workers uh, movement, uh, the MST. Uh, This is something that cannot be ignored. The difference between the global north and the global south and how available uh, COVID uh, prevention and intervention and life-saving things are available. I mean, I believe less than 3% of the world's population is vaccinated right now. Less than 50% of the U.S. population is vaccinated. And this is due to a choice because they're stupid and ignorant and being misled by the ruling class, as well as people are in Brazil by Bolsonaro. But here's the thing. They're telling us in the United States, hey, you got to get a third vaccine as a booster shot, which I'm not against. And I'm not saying that that's, oh, oh, look at the, look at them changing their mind. No, you need a booster shot for new viruses because they don't know what, you know, it's going to be able to do against the Delta variant. They don't know what it's going to do a year after having gotten your shot. They just know that it's something that they're trying to figure out as it's happening. So shut the fuck up and let the experts decide for you. Stop taking these fucking horse worm pills. Stop ignoring the vaccine. Go get your vaccine. Listen to the CDC. Listen to those experts that are being put in charge across the world. One of the best sources you can look for, NewsClick, coming out of India. Go watch it. All their coverage of stuff to do with the virus and the vaccine is incredible and filled with so much information that cannot be uh, left aside, can't be ignored. We all need to be spreading that information around. And see here again that this is yet another way that inequality shows itself because you and me can go on our computer or on our phone and look up videos about the virus, look up videos about the vaccine. We can look up all these different things. We can have access to this information. Not only across the world, but even in the United States, an increasing amount of people have a severe inequality between their uh, lack of access to information and the majority of information that is out there. Um, It is impossible to ignore that not only in places like Africa, Latin America, and Asia that we stereotypically see as poor, but throughout the Black Belt, on the West Coast, um, in the Navajo Nation, in other uh, tribal territories and reservation areas and border towns, all kinds of people have an increasing amount of inaccess to uh technology and information like many of us. So it's incredibly important then that we see this inequality. It's incredibly important that we struggle to work against that inequality and change that. But if we are talking about how to fix that, it's not going to be by telling people to go look up on YouTube a video about COVID. It's going to be uh, building and organizing local events where you do a talk or a discussion explaining 
COVID, explaining the virus, how it works, explaining how the vaccine works, explaining the science behind it, and trying to actually talk to people. That is how you change that. Not by posting on Facebook, not by simply recording a podcast. Hello, this is about me too. Um, We need to be doing more. We need to be out on the streets. We need to be talking to people. And in COVID, yeah, wear your mask, get your vaccine, wear some gloves, bring some hand sanitizer, hand out PPE, et cetera, et cetera. But as I've said before on the show, and as someone pointed out to me, it's not, you know, my idea, but it's important to recognize that COVID for many oppressed people is just yet another thing on their list. They can't just not be helped because COVID is around because now they have COVID and they're homeless and they're addicted to drugs and they're arrested and facing prison time and they're uh, suffering mental health crises and they live in a system where now they probably will never be able to get a job or support themselves in any way that will sustain them a happy, healthy and free life like all human beings deserve on this earth. Um, So unless we are realizing then that COVID is something that will add to a lot of people's plate, but will not mean that they just simply need to be ignored now, this is a time where we need to be organizing 10 times more. We need to be tripling and quadrupling our efforts to actually go out and help people materially. Um, So as much as, you know, I, I want everybody to be as safe as is possible, um, it is important to remember that we do need to be helping people still. Um, as dangerous as it is, it will always, always be dangerous. It will never be something that is easy. It will never be something that is 100% safe. And it will never be something that the ruling class will fully support. That's why someone like Bernie Sanders, AOC, and the rest of them all end up capitulating to capital and to the ruling class powers because ultimately, at the end of the day, they're not actually fighting for revolution. They're not actually trying to overthrow the entire dominant power structure. And if they were, they wouldn't fucking be in the government because the ruling class wouldn't allow that to happen. We don't have a strong enough um, movement here in the United States that would be able to force someone like Bernie through or AOC through to the other side where even if they were true revolutionaries, they could do something because, again, the ruling class would probably either smear campaign them, um, destroy their credibility. They might... um, you know, they might rig an election and get them voted out. They might accuse them of fucking uh, whatever. But at the end of the day, they're not going to just let someone like, I don't know. If Bernie was like a fucking straight up Marxist Leninist Maoist and was trying to like overthrow the bourgeoisie and was out giving speeches to workers and farmers and peasants and shit like that then, you know, I really doubt they would just let him become president <laughs> or give him any political power. He'd probably be in prison right now like Lula was in Brazil. And Lula is a fucking sock dem. Lula isn't even a true threat to the Brazilian hegemonic powers. So, like, if Bernie Sanders, AOC, and folks like that were that real, yo, they'd be dead. Look at what happened to uh, uh, Maurice Bishop in Granada, a a country of less than 200,000 people with a barely existing standing army. The New Jewel movement was able to have a revolution without a single drop of blood, and that was because their military and police forces are not like ours. Not every single country across the world has a militarized and incredibly powerful police force or, you know, military in the same way. And they just fucking murdered him. They just murdered him. Look at someone like uh, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein was a fucking far-right militarist 
who the CIA was loved him. He was their poster boy all the way up until when he said that he wasn't going to pay first and foremost for oil using dollar bills. He was going to start using euros and he was going to try to nationalize the oil uh, fields and refineries. And so the United States was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, um, what if we just said he had WMDs? So that's what they do. We go to war. Saddam Hussein gets fucking killed. Um, we f- <laughs> we do all kinds of fuck shit like that. Uh, whether it's someone who's an actual down uh, communist, whether it is someone who is a far right nationalist, whether it is a military uh, junta, uh, whether it is a liberation struggle, um, whether it's a people's war, no matter what it is, it will always, always, always be faced with the full and, you know, mightiest forces of reaction, um, and it will be taken down by the ruling class if it does anything, even in the slightest, to combat the U.S. empire and the transnational corporations, the banking firms, and the rest of theirs' uh, hegemonic power. If they do anything to combat that in any meaningful way or show, try to take an alternate path to capitalist domination, uh, it will be struck down as they have been continuously. So the only thing that can stop that and the only thing that has ever stopped that is a unification of the different oppressed peoples within a given area. The struggles that succeed in waging a socialist revolution or an independence revolution are the powers that are able to centralize. They are able to unify under a given, uh, you know, flag or, and I say that, uh, I don't want to say euphemistically. I'm not saying that like they, just a flag, like they unify under a, a one important thing, which is taking the political power, being in charge, um, If we want to build something like that, it's going to take a lot of effort. We need to start building different kind of workers, peasant, quote-unquote peasant, uh, rural farmers, immigrant, uh, LGBTQ+, and other oppressed people, uh, groups, councils, organizations. Um, We need to start building revolutionary parties that are trying to organize for uh, not just simple political power in the sense of, you know, be participating in electoral politics, but political power in the sense of building a force which will overthrow the ruling class, like the physical ruling class, take their power from them, become the rulers of our own destiny through the creation of the dictatorship of the proletariat, the smashing of the bourgeois state and the recreation of a proletarian one and the use of that to suppress the interest, the military power, the reaction of the former ruling class and use their, them as a medium to develop our own selves um, in order to build an egalitarian society that provides for the masses, provides for the many, not just for the few. Um, That's a true political power Uh, and a political power which can defend itself afterwards because you got to know that after the original insurrections that went throughout uh, Russia, you had a seven year civil war and then you had multiple attempts at invasion and you had multiple counterinsurgency and counterrevolutionary measures that were taken throughout the years of the Soviet Union in order to try to overthrow it. You have to build something that is strong enough to defend itself against all of that. It has to be ideologically, military, economically, socially, politically, uh, at XYZ. It has to be powerful in all those ways. It has to not just build its own power like a 
big-headed dictator like we think of when we think of supposed dictators like, oh, you know, Fidel Castro and Stalin and all these people who just were awful tyrants and authoritarians. I'm being facetious. Um, If we want to build something that's better than that, which we should, because even though these people were not authoritarian, we can still look at history and learn from their struggles and learn from any mistakes that they made to be better ourselves. We need to build a true mass-based movement. We have to meet with the masses. We have to bring the masses up with us. We have to raise the consciousness, raise the power, and, and educate and propagandize to the masses and build our power with them. Build the dictatorship of the proletariat with them, not over them. Um, we need to unify all of our struggles on a class line because this is the only way that we can build a power no- powerful enough force to do what it is that we have discussed we need to do. And now, if you disagree with me that that's what you think we need to do, then that's one thing. And you can email me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com if you want, or DM me on TikTok, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or Instagram uh, at indefensiveliberation. You can do that, but just know that ultimately at the end of the day, my theories are backed up by history, and these are not even my theories in the first place. These are the theories of the proletariat. These are the theories of class struggle, which have been learned through different and, and countless uh, national liberation, socialist, uh, resource nationalization struggles across the world. Like there's all kinds of things that have shown us how it is that a successful revolution is waged. That's what backs up my ideas. That's what forms my ideology is study. I grew up white, privileged, and Christian. I definitely didn't come to these things of my own, you know, genius. But that's not where ideas come from. Ideas should come from material reality and should be tested against that material reality. So how about we test my theories, supposedly my theories, let's test the theories of Marxism, the theories of the working class, Let's test that against reality and let's have a goddamn proletarian revolution. Let's start organizing people. We have to build up our power. We have to build political control that can actually take over the ruling class. We need to do it fucking now. Get organizing, folks. Thanks for listening. Love that you come by. I hope you have a great day. Stay safe. Stay revolutionary. Get vaccinated and get organizing. We'll catch you next time.